I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. Yeah, I've got a cold. <laughs> it sucks. This thing started developing, I don't know, mid last week, and it's, I've just gone downhill. Like, <laughs> I'm completely useless. But despite having the cold, I'll try to edit out any sneezes or coughs or, <laughs> you know, too much phlegm and snot. Uh, so you won't have to deal with that. Um, despite that, I think Nine Cents should be a weekly podcast, so I still have to fight through it, and I have to deliver an amazing show, and I do really, really have a good show for you this week. Uh, It starts, well, first of all, it's August 18th. Uh, It starts in Nine Cents Letters, and we're going to be talking about LaVey Deathbed Rumor, and I got a very special guest, our high priest, Magus Gilmore. He was kind enough to uh, give us a little bit of his time, and we talked about that rumor and squashed it like the little bug. That it is. And Darren Deicide goes above and beyond in this Agent Provocateur, Episode 4, Zionism's Free Pass Gets Revoked. This is an amazing, amazing segment from Darren Deicide, and you do not want to miss it. And in the creature feature, I just finished a Netflix series called Orange is the New Black. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I'm going to give you a little review, a little bit of info on it. I definitely think you should check it out. But as with usual, as with every episode before I dive into the show, a couple notes. I'm a father, so it's hard, yeah, surprise, it's hard to, uh, there's little things, little events, little moments as a dad that crop up that you don't think you really have to deal with in certain ways. Let, let me, let me illustrate what I'm talking about so it makes sense, uh, and I, I've told this to other people and they think I'm an asshole, so... Spoiler alert, I'm an asshole. (laughs) My son came up to me and he said, Dad, I got a girlfriend. I was like, really? Oh, well, that's awesome. Congratulations. What what does that mean to you? He's young. Uh, And he said, it means we play together. Like, okay, okay. Um, Do you hold hands or anything like that? He's like, no. I mean, I guess if we wanted to, but no. I mean, it's just, it means I like her and she likes me. So, you know, I sort of whisk the sweat away from my brow, like, oh, okay, I don't have to buy condoms yet. <laughs> and then he says, uh, yeah, she sent me this note. And so I look at the note and I open it up. It was all folded, all cute. And it says, I heart you. I'm like, what, is, what does love mean to you? And I just sort of ask, to see where he is, see where his mind is at this age. And he's like, I, I don't know. I was like, well... It means uh, she really, really appreciates you for who you are. That's what love means. It means you you care deeply about another human being, uh, not just for how they make you feel, but for who and what they are. That's pretty deep for a little girl. Do you think she really means it? And, you know, as with any kid being asked, you know, kind of heavy questions like these, he's like, I don't know, I don't know. Um, and as soon as I realized that, okay, well, this is, you know, he's just being a stupid little kid and I don't have to worry about him showing up on Mori Povich in nine months for being a baby daddy <laughs> at his age would be horrible. And um, so I was like, okay, well, what, what does her mom look like? <laughs> because if you're a man, <laughs> you know uh, that someone may look a certain way now <laughs> when you're talking to them they're going to look entirely differently down the road. It's a little bit of a bait and switch, but you cannot be surprised. You can sort of get a glimpse, uh, a hint of what they're going to look like if you just look at their mom. Now, I know they're not going to look exactly like their mom, but genetically, their body shape, they're going to be that way. So if you like the genetic body shape of the mom, then you're probably going to be okay with the genetic body shape of the 
individual you're interested in down the road. Just a little bit of a hint. Let you know it's coming because it is coming. And I, you know, it, here's here's like the worst part of all this is um, everyone has a different, you know, uh, physical build. And everyone's attracted to different physical builds. And so I don't, you know, when I say things like this, I don't mean that there's one perfect person or, you know, whatever. Uh, it's very much, obviously, to individual taste, um, whether you like to cut their jib <laughs> or not. But, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, what does she look like? What does her mom look like? And I'm like, okay, well, you need to understand, even at this young age, that that's what she's going to look like. So if you like what she looks like, her mom looks like, and you're okay with how she looks now, then you have my blessing, son, and go forth and have fun holding hands if you dare to do that. You know, <laughs> whatever it means to hang out, have fun. As long as I don't have to buy condoms, have fun. And, I mean, I will. If, oh, God. Not at this age. But when it comes down to it, I will absolutely buy condoms if I, you know, if it's something that he cannot buy. I will be, like, in boxes. Look, I don't want you to because I think you're too young, but... They are here just in case. I would rather err on the side of caution as a father than raise someone else's child, especially an ugly child from someone I don't approve. And so I, I don't know this person, and I'm asking these questions about what she looks like and, you know, what the relationship means to him. And then um, my wife is like, why does that even matter? Why do you even care? I'm like, look, I just want to make sure that my son is seeing someone, regardless of what age he is and... and uh, at the time, that it's of his quality, it's of his level of, of you know, um, his number scale of 10, if you want to do it like that. I want to make sure he's, you know, before uh, or behind, no more than two, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're a seven and you're going out with a 10, you know, the, the other foot is going to drop at some point, and you're going to be left in the dust, so, you know, you can get away usually in, you know, the scale of uh, two ahead and two back. And that's sort of the comfort zone in my mind. So, and, I, and the worst part about all of this is that he's too young. Like, it doesn't, not, none of this is relevant to him at all. But I'm still in that mindset. Like, I have to, I have to make sure that my son gets hurt as little as possible by imparting as much dating knowledge as I can. Um, whether he takes it or not, that's up to him. But I could at least say, well, I talked to him about it and he's not ignorant to it. Um, and so he started describing the mom and I'm like, yeah, you, you could do better than that. <laughs> and my wife smacks me like she physically assaults me. Why did you say that? That's, you know, that you shouldn't be saying something like that. I'm like, well, if that's what she looks like, then you could definitely do better than that. And so I finally meet this girl and yeah, he could do a lot better, <laughs> a lot better. And so I'm just like stuck in this conundrum. Do I tell him? Do I encourage him or do you stay the hell out of it? And stay? I mean, obviously I'm going to stay out of it. That's what I, I'm going to do because that's what a human being needs to do with other people's lives. Don't get involved. But he's my son and I know for a fact he could do better than that. I don't care if it's on the kindergarten and, and he's throwing a kindergarten ball with other kindergarten girls. I'd be like, that's who you should be looking for because that's what the mom looks like <laughs> and you'll be good there. <laughs> So superficial and stupid, I know, but I'm a dad and I care. So, got stuck in the doghouse for a little while by saying his girlfriend's ugly. But, like, what am I supposed to do? Wait for them to get older because he's still under the impression that she's going to look like this all her life and not turn into her mom? And then suddenly there's this ugly child that I have to raise? I don't want to be a granddad. This is ridiculous. No, thank you. I... <laughs> And of course, when I told other people, it always went to race because this is a, a little Mexican girl, a uh, little Latin family. And so, like, I, I don't care if who, what ethnicity, what nationality her, their parents or grandparents are. That doesn't matter to me as much as genetics and whether or not you're going to be happy. And uh, <laughs> maybe I'm a little early. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, I'm getting off that topic because I realized how inappropriate my comments are for him and his age. Um... Greater Magic episode is coming up in October. Make sure to submit your questions if you want to be want to have them included. Um, this is the third uh, episode or third issue. I don't know of this type of uh, episode. <laughs> I'm having a hard time here. I'm sick. That's my excuse. I'm sick. Cough, cough. Heck. Um, 
So submit your questions if you want them to be included. They are, uh, this is going to be a very, very powerful Greater Magic episode. We're going to be talking about the fringes of Greater Magic, that, 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 that stuff that's just in the shadows, at the edge of your peripheral, that it's there, whether you think it's there or not, and there's science behind it, whether you believe it or not. Um, it's going to be a good, a really good episode, and I've got an amazing guest lined up, and we're going to go one-on-one. I'm not going to uh, reveal any more information uh, until we're a little bit closer, but it is all set up, it is all scheduled, and I have already started receiving questions. So if you want your question included, send them to info at 9centspodcast.com, or go to the website, the contact page, and submit your questions there. If it's relevant, I will address it. And if it's not relevant for the show, we will make sure that we will address it uh, via email or or however you prefer. Uh, But I'm not going to call you. All right, so I wanted to also let people know, because since I've been doing these nine cents letters, I've I've gotten exponentially more, and I don't address them all. And I want to uh, really make you aware, if you weren't already, of obviously the website, 9centspodcast.com, but I've got a little Google search uh, field in the upper right-hand corner of that website. And that is actually only showing results from my websites that are relevant to Satanism and relevant to 9 cents. So if you search that field, it will only search through all of the episodes, all of the guests, all of the topics that I've already covered. And since I have done, I'm working through my third year here, a lot of different episodes and I've covered a lot of topics, your question may have already been answered or addressed in an earlier episode. And so you're going to want to go to that search field or go to the archive pages or the episode pages to see if those topics have been covered or not. Um... I don't really like repeating myself if it's a particular angle on a topic. I don't mind addressing it, um, but I'm, I'm really not going to hash over things I've already hashed over in the past. Uh, so it, I leave all of these episodes on the server for you, uh, just for this application, so that you can you know go back and revisit these uh, past episodes. And enjoy them, because I know you enjoy them, right? I'm not just doing this. <laughs> you enjoy them, right? Please? <laughs> Uh, all right, well, I mean, that's kind of it. My, my cold has ruined my entire weekend, so I hope I'm not going to be too whiny <laughs> here. And it's probably going to be a tighter show this week than the past weeks. I've been very liberal with my hour <laughs> hour limit, but I might, I might be stuck with it this week. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into a very amazing, a very special Nine Cents Letters. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. Welcome to a very special episode of Nine Cents Letters. I'm being joined by our High Priest, Megas Peter H. Gilmore, and we are going to be addressing a letter I received from you, the listener. Thank you very much for sending it in. I do appreciate that you guys take time out of your busy lives to do so, and it obviously makes this segment exist. So here's the, um, well, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining me, Megas Gilmore. How are you? Oh, it's a pleasure to speak with you every time, Adam. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I, I know you're busy, and so I don't want to uh, take a lot of your time, especially for something like this. And um, But it is something that I think it's, it's very much late to the party, the, the subject. And I think a lot of us have thought of it as so obscure and absurd that I don't know of many people who have addressed it directly. Um, because I've been asked to... I reached out to you, and, and fortunately for all of us, um, you were willing to come on and, and address it directly. So let me give the letter, and then we'll get the response, the official response. <laughs> so the letter is as follows. Dear Mr. Campbell, for quite some time now, I've been debating people on YouTube about Satanism and Dr. LeVay's supposed recanting of Satanism. There are several videos circulating on YouTube about how LeVay recanted Satanism on his deathbed, about how he cried out to God for forgiveness. If it has not been done yet, do you think you could find the time to speak to this matter on one of your next shows, about how it's all utter nonsense, I mean? If you have already done so, could you please tell me which episode I can find it? I thank you kindly in advance. Hail Satan. So, Megas Gilmore, I cannot think of anyone in a better position than you to uh, address this. What do you think? Well, it's complete and utter bunk, (laughs) to put it as directly as possible. 
I, I think the only people who are making this claim are these sort of shoddy evangelists who are looking for attention. Mm -hmm. These are people who never had any contact with Anton LaVey at any point in his life. So they are not in a position to know anything about what Anton LaVey thought, except what they might read online or in books. That is if they actually can read, because some of them kind of strike me as the type of people who really probably didn't get past <laughs> grammar school. But, but essentially, they may be inferring from the fact that when Anton LaVey had his heart issues that caused his death, he was taken to a local Catholic hospital. The, the reason he was taken to that hospital is simply that it was the closest one to the Black House at the time. Uh, it was an emergency situation. He was taken there, and he passed away there. But it was simply the, the closest place to get the, the medical care that he needed. It wasn't some kind of choice. It wasn't a religious choice. It was simply, here was good medical care that was nearby, and it was an emergency situation. I, I tend to think that, that, that some people have run with that and tried to make these implications that there was a, you know, some kind of philosophical reason he ended up there rather than the reason of expediency, which is what it was. Uh, and, of course, I you know, was in contact with Blanche Martin the whole time, and uh, she would certainly be in the know if, if Anton Levy had any kind of misgivings or recantations or rethinking of Satanism. And she has completely affirmed the fact that he held true to his philosophy, that he was proud to have moved the world to, to have formulated Satanism, to have thrown a boulder into the pond of, of thinking and religion and philosophy. And he stood by that to his very last breath. That's, that's, and it's, it, it's nice to hear and and it's sort of like Satanism, where you know you, you you read it or you hear about it, and you're like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, why would anyone think differently? Um, and and just like you said, I don't know if any. I'm sure some of you listeners have had uh, emergency situations where you've had to be taken to a hospital. You're not given a list and told to choose what you would prefer. It's emergency. You have to be taken care of immediately. It's life and death. You're taken to the closest hospital. Um, and and honestly, let's let's be real about this. If you're taken to a uh, example, Saint Mary's Hospital, it's not like you're baptized on the way in. It, it, <laughs> it's not like there's a priest who's acting as doctor or nurse. It's it's literally healthcare professionals doing their job. It has nothing to do with the religion on the door. That just happens to be either the largest donor or the founding uh, principal of that hospital has nothing to do with the, the individuals operating or or the the actual victims being put into it. Right. They don't check for rosaries on the way in. Yeah, it's crazy. Or check their records. Oh, I do not show you as being baptized. Go away. Um, <laughs> I looked online for this. And as with any history, if, if there's no if there's no study or uh, even just um, you looking for an answer. People just take what they're given for truth. Uh, it's one of the worst traits of humankind, I think. I'm not entirely sure why it's done, but the earliest I could even find a reference to this was 2001. And it was of, and this is what makes me think that it's even more BS, it was a reference in 2001 of a video that was uploaded in 2009. <laughs> And so I, I watched the video and I, I searched all through YouTube looking for as many different videos as I can. And it, it's literally uh, just amalgamations of one actual video that never, like the original like core of all of these videos, never even mentions Anton LaVey's name. Not once. It talks about Satanism in generalities. But it wasn't even like that was the way they were talking about it was, uh, well, you know, sort of like what we're talking about is this example that I'm going to give now. There's no names as to who they are or references of where they get information. And it's obvious that it is abjectly obvious that it is a pro evangelical or Christian uh, take because it's always lumped in with afterlife or hell or or heaven or near death experience which tells you it's utter bullshit. Um, and so there's there's a few things that I noticed during that one tiny little clip that um, we all know, but I don't know, maybe you'd want to speak to um, the idea of. And those uh, were, <laughs> she was saying that Satanists celebrate death and that death is a huge thing we celebrate. Uh, 
which is so yeah well it's again it's absurd this is somebody who knows nothing about it you know that that we we feel that death is the end of the party we know we want to avoid death at all costs uh so long as we can have vital existence we that's what we're looking for we we don't celebrate death at all you know these people don't even understand that we use the skull as a symbol of the temple of knowledge our brains are in our skulls and that it also our mortality shows us how precious life is that we're not afraid that we actually have boundaries on our existence that's it's not something that we have any fear of or any celebration of it's simply a recognition of the fact of the limiting of our existence which means how precious every moment of being vitally alive is to us yeah. and that's what we celebrate our vital existence not death such foolishness some real yeah. people but you know there's somebody else out there too i remember seeing a video where some kook claims that she's channeling Anton LaVey's spirit. And I mean, it's, it, and, and this person looks, you can't even tell what sex they are. It's, it's sort of this strange creature that, that looks, well, I don't know what they are, but they, they you know, it's, it's the weirdest thing you'd ever want to see. And there's some kind of crazy Christian. And you, you just wonder who watches that and thinks there's any validity to that. <laughs> sense. Yeah. Well, I, I hear uh, Bella goes here. <laughs> Yes, Bella's giving us her, her she's weighing in, saying, enough, away with it's those BS. fools. <laughs> it's not true. Well, and, and here's, I don't know, maybe maybe a, a final thought about this is, I always found it interesting that, um, and I went through this growing up, my parents would take what they thought, what they were told Satanism was, and apply it as reality. And I always thought that was strange because who would know about Satanism more than Satanists? So why would you, in this case, watch a Christian video and think that that is somehow legitimately satanic knowledge or thought or truth? It, it's a it, it's a shortcut to thinking. And, and well, that's, you know, but it's not. They're not even thinking. That's the that's you know you're an intelligent person. It's being solipsistic to even think that they think. Yeah. Uh, what, what it is is that they want justification for their faith. And the whole point, they could look at somebody who's Anton LaVey, who's to them Satan on earth, that he'd suddenly turn to God at the end, then gives them a reason to justify their foolish faith and belief in some mythical daddy in the sky. Because suddenly this ultimate evil human being in their perspective turned to their God. So for them, if a famous, brilliant evildoer did it, then, of course, it's good for them, too, and they can feel justified. And it's just an emotional reaction. It's not even an intellectual one. Absolutely. Well, uh, Megas Gilmore, thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us. I truly appreciate it, and I know the audience does. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to try to bring some wisdom to a topic that's being distorted by lunatics. (laughs) Uh, Until we can chat again, hail Satan. Hail Satan. I am not a liberal nor a conservative. I am not a Democrat nor a Republican. I am not a socialist nor a capitalist. I am not an authoritarian and I'm definitely not fighting for your cause. I belong to no party, I support no politicians, I am loyal to no state, and your cause celebra means nothing to me. I am Darren Deicide, Agent Provocateur. Welcome back to Agent Provocateur! I am your lovely host, Darren Deicide. I just wanted to remind you all that you can find me at facebook.com slash agentprovocateur on 9 cents. There you will find articles that will expand on topics that I touch in this segment, as well as the random, weird, and relevant in the news. And I'm underlining it right now. I really want you to just, you know, maybe even hit the pause button and go straight there and hit that like button so that you could stay linked. Because you're really going to fucking need it for this one, folks. Buckle in, because I'm affectionately entitling this episode, Zionism's Free Pass Gets Revoked. And I'm devoting it to a religious, pseudo-Calvinistic, bigoted, totalitarian point of view that has been given a uniquely privileged double standard in just about every facet of American thinking. I'm coming out of the gate hard on this one, because nothing makes me a powder cake more than hypocrisy that's right in front of people's eyes, and them insisting on ignoring it. And I hope you're a Zionist listening to this and are immediately thinking I'm anti-Semitic before I've made an argument for anything. Because I am! I'm also anti-Muslim, anti-Christian, and anti-crystal energy faith healers who think they're the incarnation of Buddha, alright? So don't get your panties all in a bunch and convince yourself that I'm the second incarnation of Hitler. I'm not that special. So let's dive 
right into this. There's no way I'm going to be able to cover everything. There's just this topic is huge. So we got to go right into it. There's a lot to cover. I've said similar things in other episodes, but I'm not going to lecture you on history. Instead, I'm going to assume that if you want detail, you'll go ahead and do your own research. Again, check out the Facebook. Be your own damn lecturer. But if you tuned in wondering what all this Zionist hubbub is all about with no context whatsoever, let's do some cliff notes. In a nutshell, Zionism is Jewish nationalism with varying degrees of differentiation. Zion referring to Jerusalem. Its flagship organization is the World Zionist Organization, or WZO, which used to be known as the First Zionist Congress up until 1960. Arguably, the flagship organization for Zionism could also be the State of Israel as well, but the WZO predates the existence of Israel, and they formulated one of the first mission statements of Zionism. The WZO created something called the Basel Declaration, or Basel Declaration, or ba ba Basel, I, I, I don't know. It's B-A-S-E-L. Yeah, go ahead and discredit me because I don't know how to pronounce it. That's fine. Anyway, this Basel Declaration set the wheels in motion for the first Jewish state, Israel. It became the central document of Zionism and reads, Zionism aims at establishing for the Jewish people a publicly and legally assured home in Palestine. For the attainment of this purpose, the Congress considers the following means serviceable. <laughs> following means serviceable. All right, hold on. Following means serviceable is more jargon. Here's what you always have to got to remember about political rhetoric, everyone. Whenever a politician opens their mouth, assume they're bullshitting. And whenever you hear a lot of unnecessary verbiage, assume you're being bullshitted. It's like waving a dog toy to a dog to get him to enter the car. You're being distracted from the fact that you're about to be put to sleep. Mean serviceable doesn't mean anything. It's just more meaningless language to distract you from the heart of what's being said and make what's being said sound more official. So let's reread it without that crap, alright? Zionism aims at establishing for the Jewish people a publicly and legally assured home in Palestine. For the attainment of this purpose, the Congress considers the following. See how much easier that is? One. The promotion of the settlement of Jewish agriculturists, artisans, and tradesmen in Palestine. 2. The federation of all Jews into local or general groups, according to the laws of the various countries. 3. The strengthening of the Jewish feeling and consciousness. 4. Preparatory steps for the attainment of those governmental grants which are necessary to the achievement of the Zionist purpose. The Zionist purpose being the establishment of a Jewish home in Palestine. A lot of Zionist ideology clearly centers around the state of Israel and its relationship to the Middle East. Or as I like to call it, the Middle East, the big football game for oil. Well, that football game has been a hell of a football game. I would suggest studying the Six-Day War, the creation of United Nations Resolution 242, and the agreements and treaties that were formulated as a result. That was a very pivotal point, with ramifications that have remained until this day. It's at that point, Palestinians became under the jurisdiction of the Israeli government without any rights to citizenship. Why? Because they're Palestinian. They're not Jews and Jewish laws built into the Israeli legislative system. A lot of people don't know this, but Palestinians pay taxes to the Israeli state for work done in Israel and are entitled, because of Jewish law, to no benefits from the state of Israel. The organization Kavla Oved brought a lawsuit against the state of Israel to recover the money that was essentially robbed from these Palestinian workers, and it was shot down in the Israeli courts. So much for the only quote-unquote democracy in the Middle East. Now, there's a lot of shrouding of what is going on here. When it comes to bullshit, Zionism and Israel are just running out of places to pile the manure. 
One of these somewhat diluted concepts is the idea that Judaism is a race devoid of religion. In fact, Judaism is monotheistic and the Semitic root of many other theistic religions. And what does any good monotheistic religion do best? Kill people! That's right, folks. If you want to kill people and do lots of it, it's best to tell everyone that God made you do it. For some reason, it's a passable excuse every time. And it's becoming the passable excuse for religious zealots that are building illegal Jewish-only settlements in the West Bank. I'll post some incredibly wacky interviews with some of these nutjobs on my Facebook page. You won't believe the insane spew that comes out of their mouths. It's the sort of stuff you'd expect from people who lived in Middle Ages Europe, let alone the citizens of, of a presumably democratic country. The settlers, now, are very interesting because they are another example of the fact that the Israeli government is incapable of enforcing its treaties or conforming to international law. Actually, if you look at the facts, they're getting involved in it right now. Um, it's, it's, it's a huge rivet between uh, the Palestinians and Israelis in maintaining the ceasefire at this moment. So is the state of Israel underhandedly attempting to annex the West Bank with these settlements? That's a question that has been asked many times. And what we see does not refute the presumption of yes. Now, in the Zionist argument, you often hear the phrase, the right to exist, when talking about Israel. That's an interesting phrase, right? The right to exist. Well, let me ask you something. What state has a right to exist? Apparently, some do and some don't, when you look at American foreign policy. How convenient. So, as an American... I'm supposed to accept the notion that Israel has a right to exist while complacently watching our government overthrow states that don't conform to U.S. demands? Let me tell you something. States don't have rights. That's a dangerous notion that only totalitarians would accept. Hell, people don't even have the right to exist, let alone states. Nothing has the right to exist. Sure, you can build rights into a social contract, but guess what has to happen to secure that? People have to die. Yeah. Rights are just another concept people try to make sacrosanct that really is just self-serving. And look, I defend the concept. I think the Constitution is one of the most revolutionary documents out there and should be defended. But don't give me all this shit about states having the right to exist. States have no rights and should consider their existence a privilege bestowed to them by their citizenry, okay? God bless Americanism. Where's Palestine's right to exist? Oh yeah, that was trampled all over in 1967. Get that bullshit out of my face. Now, if you think this is some veiled attack on Jews, think again and also knock it off. Your pathetic attempts to take advantage of the Jewish Holocaust in Nazi Germany are sad. Taking advantage of a tragedy to advance policy against people completely unrelated to the incident is dishonest and a real disservice to the memories of those victims. Have you no shame? Raping the corpses of your dead great-grandparents is not very becoming. Besides, when someone accuses you of being anti-Semitic for criticizing Israel, here's a factoid that is conveniently overlooked. There were plenty of Jews in Palestine before 1948. In fact, Jews were the second largest demographic in Palestine before 1948, the year of the Arab-Israeli war that established the state of Israel. Religiously, they also comprised the second largest demographic, only second to Muslims, and comprising more of the population within Palestine than Christians. Relations between Jews and Muslims were generally peaceful, and coexistence was normal. The chauvinism or racism didn't start until the state of Israel was established. Let's clear the record on something else. I'm a fucking American. I am against any state that wants to show religious favoritism. I'm against the idea of caliphates, monarchies, and I'm especially against any attempt on the part of the dominant Christian church in America to get their greasy palms on our government. Am I against a Jewish state? You bet I am, just as much as I would be against a Muslim state. Your sense of victimhood is not going to stop that. Now. If you're wondering why I care so much about Israel and its founding ideology, Zionism, here is why. Annually, 
approximately $3 billion in American tax money is subsidized to the Israeli government, government by our government, making Israel, the, this makes Israel the largest recipient of U.S. foreign aid. The average Israeli per capita receives more American tax money than the average American. The plundering of American tax dollars is unreal and happening on a number of levels. I'll post some articles on the Facebook page. The commingling of American politicians with Israeli lobbying groups is a unique consensus, and po political scientists are doing great work on this. Check out John J. Mearsheimer and uh, Stephen M. Walt's book, The Israel Lobby and U.S. Foreign Policy, or Noam Chomsky's book, The Fateful Triangle, The United States, Israel, and the Palestinians. I'll, I'll post links on the Facebook page. Now, the largest of these Zionist special interest organizations is APAC, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, a massively influential umbrella lobbying group that has a list of conference attendees and patrons that's bipartisan and goes all the way to President Obama himself. I say that because President Obama actually uh, gave a rousing speech I'll post it on the Facebook page at APAC, their big conference. The New York Times calls APAC, quote, the most important organization affecting America's relationship with Israel, end quote. I'll let you do your own research on APAC. It's, it's a fascinating topic, but I, I'd like to try a little case study here that's very interesting to me. Ever hear of a guy named Edward Snowden? Or uh, how about Bradley Manning? It's okay. I know it's hard to have a two-way conversation in this format, but I could hear your nod of approval from here. Of course you've heard of them. Now, have you ever heard of Lawrence Franklin? No? Well, isn't that interesting? It's interesting because Lawrence Franklin was charged under the exact same Espionage Act that Edward Snowden and Bradley Manning were charged under. The difference was, Lawrence Franklin was an employee of the U.S. Department of Defense, and he was found passing classified documents to APAC. In essence, he was spying for Israel. I will post the Wikipedia entry of the Lawrence Franklin espionage scandal on my Facebook. Now, is he facing several years in prison, a few of which he has already served without trial, like Bradley Manning? No. Was he forced into exile, where he found asylum and continues to hide until this day from outstanding charges like Edward Snowden? No. Lawrence Franklin got ten months of house arrest. Ten months of house arrest. The state grounded him, sent him to his room. That's it, without much of a public outcry at all. Interesting, right? All of this double standard, backdoor dealing with American tax money has cost America. But there's also another cost besides also just the weakening of classified information and double standard. Uh, there's a diplomatic one. America has positioned itself within the UN where it has a long, extensive track record of giving favors through its Security Council position to Israel. There are a tremendous amount of resolutions in which an overwhelming majority supported the resolution, and the US alone used its Security Council position to veto the resolution. The list is staggering, and I will post a comprehensive one on the Agent Provocateur Facebook page. This has made us deeply unpopular within the UN, makes us look like we're not willing to negotiate, and has led to coordinated efforts to subvert our expected veto, culminating in the recent effort that gave Palestine non-member status within the UN. Of course, American and Israeli politicians said the move was counterproductive. Everyone else just stuck their fingers in their ears and screamed, la 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 la, I'm not listening to you. Needless to say, the resolution passed. Welcome to the UN, Palestine. Now, as American secularists bury their head in the sand about Zionism, an interesting alliance has been built in the United States. I wonder how many of you know about this, but have you seen what has been happening between Zionists and America's radical evangelical Christian movement? They're butt buddies right now. 
They're like the odd couple, just not as gay. You may be wondering how it is that these two forces are joining together, and the reason is so beyond rational comprehension that you may fall back in your chair. So go ahead and put some pillows down on the floor right now. I'll wait and drink some water to clear my throat because this is a long one, folks, alright? So go ahead, put the pillows down. <sighs> alright, you all set? You got your safety net ready? Okay, this is why the evangelical Christian movement is supporting Zionism. The Christian evangelical Right is convinced that the creation of Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. You see, they think that if the prophecy of the state of Israel is fulfilled, according to Revelations, it will bring about the second coming of Christ. We're bankrupting the country to fulfill the lunacies of Christian America. Great job, America. Listen to the rants of self-made demagogue Pastor John Hagee. He says, quote, the Bible has a clear mandate to support the state of Israel. I'll post a link. All of this has stripped the United States of its independence and made us deeply unpopular amongst the victims of Zionist terrorism. And I don't say that term to use heavy-handed rhetoric. There are many officially recognized Zionist terrorist groups still active today. In fact, if you look at the history of who has held office in Israeli government, you'll find that it's loaded with terrorists. Take, for instance, Yitzhak Shamir, who held two terms as Prime Minister of Israel and who began his wonderful career of fucking with Palestinians when he was in the Stern Gang. The Stern Gang, or as it's known in Hebrew, Lehi, tried to ally themselves with Nazi Germany and fascist Italy. You can't make this stuff up, folks. It's better than fiction. Lehi, this terrorist organization, has multiple assassinations under its belt including the assassination of Folk Bernadotte, the Count of Wisberg, who was appointed chief negotiator by the UN Security Council during the Arab-Israeli War of 1948. He was assassinated by Lehi in Jerusalem while trying to mediate. Exactly who doesn't want to negotiate again? So, this support for Jewish terrorism, which still persists today, mostly in the settlements, has created this pool of resentment that has been swelling with every backhanded reneging of contractual obligations and every maverick support of unpopular vetoes. And jihadis are more than happy to tap into that and mobilize opposition to America. It's an explicit part of jihadi strategy. If you look at their rhetoric, they constantly say that they want to bleed the American empire. They cite the fall of the Soviet Union as an example, saying that if they did it once, they can do it again. Well, looking at the state of America's economy, the chickens may be coming home to roost. There has been a financial and diplomatic cost that is immeasurable and seems to have hit a wall for America. It has invested so much in Israel, and what have we gotten in return? George Bush Sr., during his interventions between Iraq and Kuwait, called Iraq a rogue state. He loved that term. I'm sure you can hear it in, his head, in your head right now. Rogue state. We gotta stop Iraq. They're a rogue state. And he said that because his old buddy, Saddam Hussein, was invading Kuwait and defying sanctions that were put on the Iraqi nation. Well... Maybe there's another rogue state kicking around the region, one that has also invaded a neighboring nation and defied international law, one that cannot maintain order by stopping the criminal activity of its own citizens, like Afghanistan, the Taliban specifically. One, uh, you know, these citizens also happen to think God gave them this foreign land, but a rogue state perhaps that is unable or unwilling to fulfill its contractual obligations to the world, agreements it has willfully entered into. Yeah, I agree, Mr. Bush. There is such thing as a rogue state. I don't think it would be healthy for America to continue supporting any rogue states, lest it becomes one itself. 
Thank you for joining me for this edition of Agent Provocateur. Don't be surprised if Nine Cents gets a threatening letter from Alan Dershowitz for supporting Darren Beasai, the anti-Semitic Jew hater. Take care, folks. I'll see you next time. You know, what's the name of the show? What, like the title? What, what's the title of the show? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, what's the big deal? What's the title of the show? Look, it should be good enough for you and for any of you other Generation Yers or Xs or Wers or Zers or, or, or whatever fancy letter you're, you're sitting on today to, to realize that it's not about what the title is. It's not about... When I was your kid, there's only one thing that we had growing up. When we wanted to watch a show, we just turned on the telly uh, in Saturday mornings, and you know what we got? Do you know? Do you have any idea that what we got? No, I have no idea. Why are you freaking out? Every single Saturday, and we didn't know what shows were, what what titles were, or or what. We, we had no choices on what to watch. We were stuck with the creature feature, and so are you. All right, wasn't that badass? Thank you so much, Megas Gilmore and Darren Deicide. You two are fantastic. All right, so uh, before I start, it, I don't know if you noticed, at the beginning of Nine Sons Letters, I changed the intro. Very short, very succinct, um, not a lot of talking or action or explanation. That's where I'm going with this podcast. It's, it's going to be much more just a... a a musical transition. Um, uh, you guys have asked for it, and I'm going to listen to you. I don't need to do a little skit in order to introduce each thing, each new segment. And so, you know what? Especially if you're listening, and, and I get this a lot of people who listen to these episodes back to back over and over again um, because they're either trying to catch up or there's things that they liked about it and they have to, you know, try to fast forward through those little segment intros because they don't like them. They're too long or it's just after you've listened to it 50 times, it gets really frustrating. So I'm going to shorten them dramatically. So look forward to that. All right. So I started getting Netflix a while ago and I was a little disappointed because I guess I didn't know what to expect. I ex- what I did expect was that every video that you could get in the mail would in turn be available for instant queue and, you know, instant streaming online. And my I have a um, television set and a 3D surround sound that allows me to stream Netflix directly from there. And I have a fiber optic internet connection, so why the hell wouldn't I? And so when I first got into Netflix, I was pretty pissed off that I, I couldn't access all of the wonderful dated shows that I enjoyed um, and all the wonderful horror movies that I was looking forward to watching for the 80th time. <laughs> I tend to stick with what I like. Um, and then I found out that they were doing original programming. And first and foremost, if you like document uh, uh, documentaries, uh, documentaries, I can't even say it right. <laughs> if you like documentary. <laughs> God, if you like them, <laughs> Netflix is awesome because they have a ton of them. So definitely check it out for that. Um, but the original program, so obviously they brought back Arrested Development uh, for the lat- latest. I don't know, there's rumors they might be doing another season, but for the last and latest season. And what they're doing is amazing. And it's, it's a revolution in media streaming. And it's really the direction that everyone's going to be going now. Hulu Plus is copying it as well where they release the entire season at once, allowing you to watch it at your leisure and really consume that media at your pace rather than a set uh, TV schedules place. It's fantastic, and it gives you absolute access. So if you want to sit down and waste an entire afternoon and evening watching a series, uh, wasting it, depending on the series, <laughs> uh, you can do that. You can absolutely do that, and, and it's a wonderful, wonderful option to have as a viewer. I don't personally like to do that. I don't like to waste that much time at once. But, you know, when I have a spare hour or two, you know, my wife and I will sit down and watch a movie. So um, I saw, obviously, watched Arrested Development, loved it. 
And then um, I started watching this really amazing political show that Kevin Spacey is in that actually is being nominated for a number of awards. I think like 15 of them. But then I saw this other one called Orange is the New Black. And the trailer for it was uh, this pretty young suburban woman uh, getting thrown into uh, minimum security prison. Uh, and <laughs> I'm a guy who loves women. So obviously I'm thinking complete porno. I know it's not <laughs> a porno, but you get a young, pretty blonde and throw her into prison with a bunch of other women. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> and there is some lesbian activity, but obviously it's not a porno. So do not think it's like that. It's supposed to be, I don't know, maybe a, a slice of drama with a slice of comedy. Um, it, it's interesting. And if you enjoyed the series Weeds by creator uh, Genji Cohen, then you're probably going to like this. He's he's behind this as well. And actually, the story is based originally um, in, in an actual occurrence, you know, so it's it's sort of supposedly uh, based on a true story. Give, let me give you the little intro that Netflix wrote for this, and then I'll, I'll sort of run down a little bit more here. Every sentence is a story. From the creator of Weeds comes a heartbreaking and hilarious new series set in a woman's prison. Piper Chapman's wild past comes back to haunt her, resulting in her arrest and detention in a federal penitentiary. To pay her debt to society, Piper trades her comfortable New York life for an orange prison jumpsuit and finds unexpected conflict and camaraderie amidst an eccentric group of inmates. Uh, the first episode or two of this is not that great, but if you stick with it, it does get really good. And and here's what I'm I'm sort of seeing uh, be a, a pattern in series as of late. You know, the past three four years is each episode focuses on one character while still portraying the overarching story uh, behind it. And it's nice because it allows you, if you're into character development, um, like I am, then it's wonderful. It allows you to get a glimpse at, and a true understanding of all of the players in this drama, in this this play, this story. Uh, it, it's a fantastic way to tell stories. Plus, you don't get bogged down with repetitive jokes or commentary or events. You're allowed to completely give each episode its own uh, sense of, of experience, its own true vision, while still maintaining true to the entirety of the show. Uh, it's, it's really good. So, like I said, the first couple episodes aren't that great. One thing that did strike me as interesting um, is that how much they're portraying minimum security prison, how much it's like boot camp. <laughs> like, minus the lesbian activity, though, I'm sure that happens too. We, we had quite a bit in my basic, um, basic training of um, men and women sort of going into each other's barracks and fooling around and all the tomfoolery that goes with uh, men and women divorced from their regular lives and thrown into extreme situations. Um, really, really entertaining show. Uh, and, and what I liked about it is that it's not just sort of that, you know, a hack. Well, this is a prison drama, and so it's all about raping, and it's all about um, dominance. There's certainly moments of that, but I would say only the half of the show, maybe three-fourths of the show, is centered in the prison, because you are getting a lot of backstories of the characters intermingled throughout each episode. It's refreshing. And and what you're going to find is that uh, Genji Cohen, the creator, brought in a lot of the characters from Weeds that were in Weeds. And so there's some familiar faces and, and some really uh, entertaining characters. And, and this is where, like I mentioned before, it really shines are the characters. Some of these women are, are really, they're not sexual at all. And that's that's sort of the amazing part about it for me. I sexualize virtually everything. But um, for me, I was, I was so drawn into the individual characters that I didn't have time to sort of, you know, draw it down to this base human experience. Um, it, it, there was actual motivations, identifiable motivations behind these individuals that if you can divorce yourself from your own life and, and just sort of cut that off and, and live in the fantasy of the moment... It's really fucking good. I mean, you have some obviously fantastic actors 
excuse me, for example, uh, Piper Chapman being played by Taylor Schilling. She's a new one for me. I've never seen her in anything before that I know of, but she's a really good actress. Jason Biggs, you'll know from um, American Pie, the dude who actually had sex with the pie. He's actually in it, and I didn't, I don't like him as an actor until now. I didn't enjoy him in any of the American Pies, but for this, he's sort of made for this role. Um, and he's he's actually dating the main character, Piper Chapman. So the story is, is that Piper Chapman starts the series with Larry Bloom, her boyfriend, who's the Jason Biggs actor playing him. And um, she's putting herself... Uh, sort of sentencing herself or delivering herself to prison. Uh, she's admitted to the conviction and she's just delivering herself to the maximum security or minimum security prison. And the show starts around like how does this influence his life that she's going to prison? And it's it's funny because it's something that, it, it, like I mentioned before, it happens like even if you go into something like basic training where if you're the one going into basic training, your experience of separation from the other individual is dramatically different than for the other person who still has the comforts of home and security and safety and, and comfortable, uh, just predictable life that they lead. Uh, their perspective of that separation. And what this series does is jump between the two characters and really how they're interacting with their new worlds without the other uh, in those very, very different different background settings. Uh, so Jason Biggs does an amazing job. And then there's uh, Laura Prepon or Prepon, however you want to say her last name. She was the Eric's girlfriend in that 70s show, Redhead. I had a huge thing for her in 98, I think it was. When that series started, um, she's so gorgeous. And in this, she has this raven black hair. Uh, she's this um, delicate lesbian, and so it's even more sexy. Her character's name is Alex Vouse, and she is the ex-girlfriend of Piper Chapman. And so you have that drama where she's thrown back, Piper is thrown back into this uh, minimum security prison with her ex-girlfriend who put her into prison. A little spoiler alert after the fact there, people. Um, and so you have that drama and how that relationship, that, that convoluted relationship, uh, evolves in this really tight environment where you have to see each other on a day-to-day -day basis, even though there's a dramatic animosity behind it. And it's sort of this triad of love. And then you have other characters, um, that are amazing, like Kate Mulgrew, who I never knew before, but I guess she was in a bunch of Star Trek episodes or cameos or something. I'm not a Trek head, so I don't... I don't really know, but she plays this really wonderful Russian cook named Galina Red uh, Reznikov. Um, she's a fantastic character with her own uh, very developed backstory. Um, and I mean, I could go into all of these women and, and the security guards and the gentlemen who run the prison, and it's all very interesting. And they don't just focus on these main characters. There's stories within stories throughout the entire prison. And so it's, it's very much... Um, Oh gosh, what I think I would I would I'd kind of look at it like like um a sea monkey or an ant uh, science kit where you sort of breed all these little animals in this one little area and you get to actually watch their individual existences unfold before your eyes. And and you can focus on any one of them at any given time and it's it's very compelling and it's very interesting. Uh, maybe ants and sea monkeys wasn't a good example. But I highly recommend it. Orange is the New Black. Check it out if you have Netflix. And if you don't have Netflix and you're still tethered to that uh, horrid money-wasting cable, um, well, you may want to check it out just for the eight bucks it takes to you know, enact one month of Netflix because it's absolutely worth it as a series. Plus, there's a lot of other amazing series that I'm going to be talking about in the coming uh, Creature Features as well, such as Hemlock Grove, for one, it's it's not quite amazing, but it is interesting, and that's good enough for me uh, sometimes. <laughs> anyway, that is going to do it for another show. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I'm almost exactly where I wanted to be time-wise. Yay, congratulations, sick Adam. <laughs> uh, I would love to hear from you. Please visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. 
You can visit the Satan Net, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe... <coughs> excuse me. You can subscribe to 9 Cents via iTunes by searching 9 Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And for fuck's sake, read the Satanic Bible and the, Satan, and the Satanic Scriptures if you haven't already. Go buy them. Come on. Do yourself a favor. Uh, the only way that this podcast is going to live is if you tell a friend. Share 9 Cents with your friends, your enemies, your grandmother. Let's build this podcast together, people. Help spread the word. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, and until next week, wait for it, Hail Satan!